I taught him the seven Hebrew words of praise. So I'm not going to teach the whole thing. I'm just going to give the words, and um, I'll give you the Strong's number and a brief explanation, because that would be a whole 40 minutes just doing the whole thing. So um, I'll go through the seven words with their Strong's numbers first, and then I'll go through a quick um, explanation. So the first one is Halal, H-A-L-L-A-L, and that's 1984. The second one is Yada, Y-A-D-A-H, that's 3034. Toda, T-O-W-D-A-H, which is 8426. Shabbat, S-H-A-B-A-C-H, 7623. Barak, oh, uh, 1288. Zamar, Z-A-M-A-R, 2167. And Tehillah, T-E-H-I-L-L-A-H, which is 84.16. So the word halal is the primary Hebrew word used for praise. And hallelujah comes from this, or Yah, Yah, which is a short form of Yahweh, and Jehovah. So praise the Lord literally means you must all praise Yah. So to be clear, it's to praise, to shine, to boast, to show, to rave. And I had to laugh. I was like, you know, the first rave party was for Jesus. So <laughs> to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. Now, the second one is yada. And it is to thank, to revere, or worship with extended hands, to throw out the hands or lift our hands. So like even before the New Testament was written, we, they were extending and lifting their hands. In, in worship. I mean, how many here came from like a, a denominational background that you didn't do that? And, you know, when you first went, you know, to the Pentecostal or whatever, you were kind of like. So I think we were all kind of like that. Um, Toda, which is uh, the 8426, it's the same root as Yada, but it's used more specifically as an extension of the hand in adoration, avowal, or acceptance. So more like probably this rather than this. Shabbat. And when I was in Bible school, our, our music teacher and Bible school teacher said, how many remember, well, some of the young people here wouldn't maybe, but how many remember R.W. Shambach? Mm-hmm. And he was loud, yeah. right? So Shabbat, it was a way we could all remember um, what that meant. It means to shout, to commend, to praise, to adore. But it's funny because opposite, it actually also means to quiet or to pacify, which is strangely opposite. Barak, which is to bless, to kneel, to be adored, to cause to kneel. So how often we're in a worship, we're in middle of worship service, and we just feel the need to either just bow down or get down on our knees. Uh, Another really amazing thing that happened when we were going through these in Bible school, we'd only do a couple and... And we would go through all the motions and the teaching. And when we hit the Barak, and it was like about quarter to 12, because we finished at 12. And we all got down on our knees. And the Holy Spirit just invaded the place. It was like one of the most phenomenal things I'd ever felt. And we all, like, we stayed there way past 12 o'clock. Our uh, worship leader and teacher at the time, he just got on the keyboard and played. And we just stayed there for a while. Uh, Zamar, 2167, 
That is to sing and make music, to play a musical instrument, to pluck the strings of an instrument. It's like David played for Saul, and the evil spirits left. And then Tehillah, um, the, actually the book of Psalms in Hebrew is called the Tehillim. And Tehillah is praise, song, hymn of praise, to praise or to ad um, adoration, thanksgiving, paid to God. It's also spontaneous worship to sing or laud or general public praise. So that's just a, a little synopsis of those. Um, and listening to uh, some teachings on uh, all of this, and uh, Dan McCollum, he's a teacher at the worship school at Bethel, and um, he says, and I have to take his word for it because he's been doing this for like 30 years. <laughs> so I have to take his word for it, but he said 90% uh, most worship in the Bible, about 90% is about how worship impacts all of life, the world, and the universe. So um, that was uh, kind of where we were going. It's like, you know, when you've had glimpses of it, and you just, you know, even if you're going through a really hard time, and you just like stop, and you go, just like, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And it just, when you do that, it literally, when you focus, not just sing it, but you need to focus from your heart. Everything just kind of, you know, it, your, your, your focus, your attention, and this somehow doesn't have as much attention to it, and it doesn't seem as crazy. Uh... So uh, let's go to Psalm 150. Psalm 150, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, praise God, and that's Halal, in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Um, in the actual, this is the New King James, in the King James Version. He actually, in the way it's phrased, he actually invites us into his sanctuary. He wants, he, we, you know, we always want him to show up in our services and, and to, to, you know, we want that presence. But you know what, we, he, he wants to invite us to his sanctuary. He invites us and we now have access because of the blood of Jesus, right? So where is his sanctuary? It's the throne room. What's up there is the four living creatures and the elders. And what's going on? Worship. Mm -hmm. So it also it said, praise him in his mighty firmaments or in heavens. Now, we know, uh, I mean, there could be many, many more, but we know that there's three. There's three heavens, um, and we're going to talk about authority and function of worship in each of those three heavens. And just uh, see what goes on there. Because, again, if we want heaven to come to earth, mm -hmm. we need to do what they're doing in heaven. Amen? Yeah. Uh, when it says here, praise him in his mighty firmaments, studies have actually shown that the stars and the planets give off sounds. So there's some scriptures that actually um, share this a little psalm. 148, page over. 148. And going to read the whole thing. Uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. 
Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. We have seen that. Song. Praise him, you sun, moon, and bright shining stars. Um, praise him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heaven. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all the depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all the peoples, princes and all the judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and the heaven, and he has exalted the horn, which signifies strength of his people, the praise of his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. So um, Isaiah and Isaiah 55. Now we know we're familiar with Isaiah 55, 8. Um, whereas rain comes down, verse 10, rain comes down and snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that make it seed to the sower, bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth and it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please it and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent. And those are the scriptures we usually read when we read Isaiah 55. However, if we continue uh, to verse 12 and 13, for you shall go out with joy, you'll be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing. All of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Uh, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So it's like the trees, of the, the trees are going to clap their hands. Mountains and the hills are going to break forth into singing. Now, Mountains, uh, I don't know about you, the only mouth I've seen in a mountain is, a, you know, they've done a tunnel, right, and you drive through. But um, here it says they break forth into singing, and they don't have a mouth. The trees are going to clap their hands, but they don't exactly have hands, so, you know, maybe it's their leaves, right? But, but all creation praises the Lord, amen? And talks, you know, like, again, the mountains, we don't know um, what that all and like the the heavens and the stars, they all have sounds, and they're all worshiping God. You know, we obviously don't hear it, but they are all praising God. Genesis one one says God made the heavens and the earth. So again, plural. And Psalm one o eight. Psalm one o eight. Verse. For your, for your mercy is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the clouds. Some say mercy, some say love, but the point is that, again, it says heavens. So there's more than one heavens, and who knows how many there really are. Uh, go to Ephesians 4.10. Go, uh, verse 9. Now this he ascended, and what does it mean? 
but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So, again, talk about multi multiple heavens. And again, 2 Corinthians 12. One and two, and of course, you know, we all, it, it doesn't say, but you know, we all believe this is Paul talking. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man of Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. So now we have three that we know of, first, second, and third. And so he talks about that. So we're going to start with um, third, the third heavenly realm, which is the, the dwelling place of God. Um, 1 Kings 8. Kings 8.27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. So how much less this temple, which I have built, and of course, that was um, the temple that Solomon built. And he was saying, you know, we see that God, he occupies the third heaven, but he's obviously not limited by it, right? Because <laughs> he says, um, you, heavens cannot contain you. So third heaven is where he lives, but he's not contained by that. And we know that because he is omnipresent. Uh the second heaven, um, you know, the second heaven is, we believe, that is the uh, realm of the fallen angels and Satan, who was called Lucifer. And worship, when we worship in that place, it is to displace the darkness with God's light. And that's our authority that we have, because they, they are actually operating in the spirit um, falsely. They don't have, they don't really, that's not their authority, it's our authority. And so we overcome evil with good. When you think of David, um, David sang and he played songs of deliverance. And that, again, that zamar, that's that striking of the uh, strings. And those evil spirits, they left Saul. So we know even in the Old Testament, before the uh, crucifixion of Christ and before our sanctification, worship was used to dispel evil spirits. So how much more now through the blood? Amen? Hallelujah. So here, you know, in that place, that in that second um, realm, worship here, it's to, it's to break chains, it's to break bondages. And even when we think about Paul and Silas in Acts, in prison. Now, I'm sure we've all heard, you know, bits and pieces of stories, but I mean, these dungeons were brutal. They were like mud and rats, and they were in stocks. And how many of us could have sat in that place and said, let's praise the Lord? You know, it's like... I'm not sure if I would have been able to, but, you know, they had so much of the Holy Spirit on the inside of them, they just started to worship. And I heard one, I heard one preacher say, he's like, I guess God just enjoyed it so much, he was tapping his foot so much to it that he caused an earthquake, and uh, it broke the chains, and out came Paul and Cyrus. So, um, a little bit about Lucifer, let's go to Isaiah 14. I know some of these scriptures are probably, uh, a lot of people know them, but I'm sure there might be a few people either online or here that have never really heard these or 
read them and not really, you know, just kind of, just like we do sometimes, right? We read something and go, we just kind of keep going. Um, Isaiah 14, 12 to 14 talks about Lucifer. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And Lucifer actually means light bearer. So how many of you know in the New Testament we hear like he comes, um, he can uh, deceive you as an angel of light. So you need to be very discerning. Uh, since he has fallen from heaven, uh, that he transforms himself into an angel of light. That's 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. He wants God's glory. He wanted God's glory. He got kicked out of heaven for it, um, but he still wants it. And you know when you you know we all heard a lot about the New Age movement and the light and all of these things. Uh, a lot of meditation. You know people go into meditation. And they're perverting God's light. Now, I think a lot of us, you know, as Christians, a lot of people shied away from even using that word meditation for a long time because it was so um, used in the New Age movement. But, you know, Joshua, I think Joshua says, you know, we meditate on the word day and night, right? So meditation still belongs to us. Every, there's nothing new under the sun, and everything God created, it was for us. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> Um, Ezekiel 28 is another scripture uh, with regards to Satan. Ezekiel 28 uh, starts at verse 11 to 15. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. So most people think this is about Lucifer, but you know, it could be the king of Tyre and there's uh, some other. Um, People like just saying different things. So, but you know, this is a lot of people still look at this as being Satan. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering: the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So he, he was like a beautiful creature. He just tried to imagine a creature with all these beautiful stones and diamonds and sapphires and all of that. And... He was an instrument. The, the timbrels and the pipes, and they were all part of his being. So that's why many people believe he was the worship leader in heaven. Um, one thing about Satan, he still he still wants the glory. Mm -hmm. And when you you know some of the music that is out in the world today, like I mean, some of it's so demonic. Mm -hmm. And it's still to give him worship. And, you know, it's, um, he still wants glory. 
but he knows he's already defeated, and you have to know that too. Amen? Uh, Ephesians 2.2 2 says, um, we have the ruler, let's just, let me just read that. In which, okay, uh, start with verse 1. And you were made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So, you know, before we were saved, we were under that domain. We were under his authority. And uh, our battle is for the atmosphere. Amen? And then Ephesians 6, 12... For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And so again, those are those heavenly places. And our struggle, really, as the new man, is to take hold of the bigness of everything that God has already taken a hold of us for, for us through Jesus. So, you know, it's still a battle, but we need to fight to you know, take hold of that, to get that revelation. And we're all at different places, we're all learning, we're all growing, and it's just a matter of just keep learning, keep growing, and keep getting a more and more revelation of what your authority is. And, you know, we don't struggle. I mean, how many people, don't raise your hands, but sometimes have struggles with other believers and people in the body of Christ and people in your family or whatever, um, you know, we all struggle with people and their personalities. But, you know, we have to understand that these forces, these prints of the power of the air, they're, they influence them and they also influence us. And sometimes we fight against our own flesh. Um, you know, we need discipline in our own lives, but sometimes these forces that are fighting against us, we must know and recognize what is coming against us. The difference between our flesh, because, like, sometimes we just... It's our flesh, right? You can't blame it on the devil. Sometimes just us. <laughs> and uh, but other times you need to know and recognize what forces you're fighting against and displace that darkness with the glory of God. So first heaven, which is the realm of man, that's earth, uh, earth and earth's atmosphere. The primary function of worship here is saturation. Um, so Genesis one twenty six. What time is it? Because I left my watch at my baby's house. <laughs> How about you give me, do I, do I, oh, I have 25 more minutes? Oh, yay. <laughs> I might actually get through this. Um, thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps in the earth. Subdue it, have dominion over it, over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing. And this is before the cross. God originally gave us dominion. And of course we know, you know, Adam gave it away, and Jesus came and gave us back our authority. But, you know, we need to learn to take our authority, and many of us don't. Until you learn that we have authority, you just kind of get, the enemy just can run roughshod over us. 
and it's getting a revelation of what authority you have. Um, in Romans 8, 19, where most of us know this as well, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And that's us. Freedom creation is waiting for us to learn and take our authority so that they can, you know, be released to worship the Lord as well. Uh, I think I got pastor's anointing with all these scriptures. <laughs> Psalm 72:19 And blessed be his glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. And then we don't have to turn there but Habakkuk 2:4 says the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. And how's that going to happen? It's by us releasing the glory that is in us through worship into the atmosphere. So again, I read this at the beginning, Matthew 6, 10. It's like, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And again, we need to see what's going on in heaven in order to bring that to the earth and to experience heaven on earth. And how are we going to find out what's going on in heaven? We look to the word and see all those people that have been to heaven and what they experienced. It was Isaiah, John the Revelator, Ezekiel, Paul. And worship is the primary activity in heaven. It's the atmosphere of the third heaven. And we need to establish that here on the earth, and we need to do what heaven is doing. And, you know, worship actually carries the key for transforming the earth, transforming our lives, transforming situations. And we need to get the possibilities of heaven getting released into the earth. And, uh, you know, in, in our worship service, sometimes when we're, you know, in praise and worship, and you almost feel like you have been brought into another realm. Well, we're worshiping the king, king of glory, and that heavenly realm is now being invaded into our atmosphere. And we want to live in that place. We want to you know, be able to bring that. It's not, it's not for our church services. It's for our lives. It's for our cities. It's for our nation. It's, it's to affect atmospheres. And... Uh, it's important, um, you know, to sing worship songs for him to the Lord of his greatness and his magnificence, but it, you know, to bring his presence. But it has to come from the heart. If you're just, you know, it's okay if you're just learning or just learning a song new to all of this, but you can't just sing a song and expect the presence to come. It has to be a heartfelt worship to the King of Glory. It has to come from your heart. And that's going to release um, that, that atmosphere. I believe um, Apostle Stein mentioned something to that effect as well, the difference between just you know, singing a worship song and actually worshiping from your heart. Uh, another aspect of worship, it, it declares the glory of God. It declares who the Creator is. And um, you know, we read in one of the songs is that heavens declare the glory of God and if you ever look up on a clear night and you see those thousands of stars and, you know, just like being there, you feel like, you know, they're declaring the glory. I mean, especially if you're out in the country where there's like no city lights 
And all I can see is like a gazillion stars. Imagine Abraham looking up at that, going like, God's going, look at the stars, Abraham. Like your, your descendants are going to be more than these. But it's, it's like they're declaring the glory of God just by shining their brightness that they're there. Um, you know, God is a creative being, and he does create, but he made us in his image. So we're also, um, you know, we're also creators in a sense. There, there is a creative side to all of us. And a lot of people think that to create is, um, you know, you have to be in the arts or dance or things like that. But, you know, that's not necessary. Um, when you think of every sphere, like architects or IT people, they are all, you know, they, they're creating things. And whoever hears it first gets it, right? So, so you know, we need to ask God, like, what, what is my creative nature? What is in me to create? What am I supposed to be creating? And one of the things that we're supposed to be creating, of course, is heaven on earth through our worship. Um, you know, Adam, he named all the animals. That took creativity with words. Um, so we can also take dominion through creativity. And the word dominion actually means favor, influence, and authority. So whoever has the ideas and the courage to manifest them is going to lead the planet, whether they're in engineering or IT or architect, whether they're Christian or non-Christian. You know, we have the creator living on the inside of us. We, are the, we should be the ones. We should be the ones that have, get these ideas, get these, you know, ideas from heaven. Um, we should be at the forefront of that. Isaiah 42 Uh, verse 19. Nope. Oh, I missed it. I wrote that down wrong. But it's um, the scripture that the Lord tells the people a new thing. He tells the people what's coming. And so whoever's listening is going to implement. I don't want to check there. I just got the 20 minutes. Oh, just, I think we can do this. Um, so what about the new song? You know, let me just say this. Like, worship is not just for worship leaders. Worship is for every single believer. Whether you sing on key or don't sing on key. And uh, I know Alicia, I, I, it was cut off, but Apostle Scan said um, she was going to get new songs at the end of her. And she was playing something, but I was watching on Facebook, so I missed that. Um, so I would have liked to hear what, uh, what was released in Alicia, you know, after that. So what does the new song actually do? It actually prepares people to recognize what God is saying. So when it comes, people can receive it. And again, that new song, you can sing that at home. Um, just I want, to, I want to say this, and like about singing off-key, I have two specific examples. One was my pastor. Totally off key. Um, this was at the church plant that we were at in um, Guelph, and she just like that's a sweet sound in his ears. So uh, she just would sing at the top of her voice. And then I was also training someone to um, take over for me because we were leaving to go to another city, and I was training someone else to lead worship. And she many times sang totally off key. But let me tell you something: God showed up. 
the anointing showed up. So, you know, we want to have excellence. And, you know, we definitely want to have worship leaders and people that sing on key. But let me tell you, it was a small work, and the power of God came when she when she worshipped, when she led worship. So they just said it... Um, some, just some examples of how worship impacts, and it impacts our mindsets. So if you, I don't know if anybody's um, heard of Joshua Mills. He is uh, an amazing prophetic um, teacher, preacher. He, and the Lord taught him how to, he did not take any lessons. He, the Lord taught him how to play keyboard. And he's got a couple of instrumental uh, CDs. I have them. And they actually have taken these into mental and physical, uh, into hospitals, and saw mental and physical healings. Because again, we think back to David and Saul, there were songs of deliverance, right? So those songs of deliverance affect every single area. You just have to be brave enough to go in there and do it. You gotta, and hear from the Lord, <laughs> absolutely. There was a woman, um, Dan McComey, he shared this story. There was a woman in India, she just... Basically, she was an invalid. She was sick. She was left to die in a hospital. Her family didn't even go visit her anymore because they were just, she was so bad off. And there was a nurse that just happened to like this CD, and she put it on, and it was a worship CD. And she just put it on repeat, and it played, and it played, and it played, and it talked about Jesus and healing and, and delivering. And so this little Indian woman in this hospital, she heard it so often that faith rose in her heart. She goes, gosh, it's if he does that, can he? Will he? Will he do that for me? And um, she took it, and she she went walking down the halls of the hospital, and the nurses were like, "Whoa!" Like this woman was on death's door, and she, on her own, listening to worship, got up. And this is a non-believer. I believe she probably became a believer after that. Dan McCollum also, when he was at a worship conferences, he was in his hotel room, and of course he would worship you know, in his room before a service or something. And uh, he, um, there was his room attendant, he went to get into, go into his room one time, and the room attendant was outside the door, she was crying. And he said, what's wrong? He goes, she goes, every time I go into your room, it's like there's something there. And she says, I'm actually a backslidden Christian. And he led her back to the Lord. And that was like, he wasn't even in the room talking to her. It was just that residue of the presence of God that was still in that room when he would worship in a hotel room. So worship in the first heaven, like I said, is to saturate uh, with the glory of God. We got 10 minutes, 15? I saw a card flash up there. Um, Bill Johnson, I mean, most, many of us know who Bill Johnson is, he was at a pastor's conference in Fiji, and there was a tidal wave that was coming, and I think about 1,000 pastors, and CNN was talking about this tidal wave just coming to directly to Fiji. And so they started praying, and how many have noticed, like you're watching any of those kind of services, many of them, they have people, artists on the side just painting. And this one woman, she was painting a picture, and as she painted, she was painting, she painted a wall in the middle of a seascape in the water, Bill Johnson turned around and saw it, and he just said, that's God's answer. And they started praying about this wall and this painting that she did to stop this tidal wave. And CNN later reported 
The tidal wave that had been heading to shore stopped in the middle of the ocean like it hit a brick wall. Glory to God! That was from a painting. That wasn't even just worship, but that was that woman. That's her artistic expression. That's her act of worship. Is that painting? Um. So that, yeah. So saturation. It's not going to happen by worshiping in church. We need to go out there. Uh, he mentioned one incident in California, like all the businesses were moving out of this area, and there was one Christian, and they were closing or moving out. And there was one Christian, and he had a warehouse, and he goes, I'm going to put this together. He put together a 24-hour worship service in this warehouse that he owned, and shortly thereafter, business doubled. People started coming back into that area. So it wasn't big long. There was one 24-hour worship service. So, you know, what about worshiping around our schools? And the, even this morning, like, um, I shared about the, the synagogue in Pittsburgh that was just, um, a gunman went in, 11 people killed, 6 people in the hospital. You know, we need to, like, worship around our schools. I, I mentioned when I preached this in St. Catharines, like Marilla, you know, she goes to an area where um, a lot of the homeless people and the drug addicts go, and you know, I drive by that area quite often, so whenever I do, I just sing in the spirit. But, you know, we need to just take our place in these areas in our city and worship. You know, even if you just, you don't have to go stand out there for like 24 hours or, you know, make a big display of it. You can just sit in your car, maybe for 15 minutes, and, and worship in that area and bring God's presence in. Uh, and, you know, we hear a lot about territorial spirits, and of course they, there are, and they've been assigned to certain regions, but you know, we don't need to be concerned about them because we are the territorial spirits. Yeah. We're the ones that are supposed to rule and reign and control that atmosphere. We create, you know, we need to create the atmosphere in proportion to the revelation of the size of God in us, and you know, you're only going to worship and you're only going to understand this to the point where you have that revelation. So allow God to, to just increase that revelation in you of how effective your worship can be in your own life, in your city, at your workplace, in your family. You know, we really need to uh, get the revelation of the bigness of God that is in us to get bigger. And, you know, most of us, and I know I am, we're operating way, way below what he created us to operate in. So let's go just back to the first heaven, bringing heaven to earth. You know, we are to delight in the presence of the Lord, just like Alicia said and in the song we did this morning. Um, in his presence is fullness of joy. So the second heaven, we're to displace principalities and powers. And when you look at God and worship and from heaven's perspective, it never gets old. You know, again, how many were brought up in a traditional church? You know, I was like, I got, when I was born again, I was um, still in the Lutheran church, and I heard all this, like, when we live in heaven forever, we're just going to be worshiping forever. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you get your couple of hymns, and, like, a one-hour service seemed like forever, and I'm like, I don't worship God forever in heaven. Oh, my God. Thank God I'll be in heaven, but, man, it's going to be so boring. <laughs> you know, until you get a revelation and, and start to see worship, happen in your own life and, and just how you connect with the Lord in that worship is just phenomenal. Uh, just briefly with the, yep, almost done. 
um, the four living creatures in Revelations 4, 6. It says they're full of eyes around, front, and back. And they've been there forever. Now, you know, God, whenever God created them, they've been there forever. And they continuously sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they have not become bored. And, you know, maybe it's because, and because their eyes full around, maybe every time they turn or turn and see another facet of God, they just, they just see something else of God that they hadn't seen a million and 20 million years ago. And so they have a new perspective every time that they cry holy. So there's much more of his glory uh, to experience through worship. Part of worship is just beholding him. And what you see in him, then that gets released in you, and then it blesses others. So just a few keys. Always worship at the level of the warfare that's against you. If you've got a lot of warfare going on, just you need to just worship. I just, that's why I just love that song. Like, all I did was worship. All I did was praise. All I did was bow down. All I did was stand still. And God does the deliverance. Amen? You'll always worship at the revelation of who he is. So it's according to your greatest picture of who God is. And uh, God has to get bigger in all of us. Amen? If your worship has become stale, you need a new revelation of him who sits on the throne, his glory, and all that he is. Um, again, Apostle Stan said, you know, you have to worship from your heart, not just sing a song. It's got to be from here. And then you'll see things change in you and in your atmosphere. And saying that, sometimes when you're in a battle, worship sometimes seems really, really difficult. How many have been in a battle and you just feel like God's so far away and it's hard even to sing a worship song or even for a worship song to come up. Uh, you just, you know what? Just worship. Worship the song. Sing the song and worship until that spirit of worship comes. Until his presence comes. And there's that peace and that joy that comes. Amen? Amen. And I got it all done. Thank you so much. It's uh, been a blessing. I hope uh, you learned something that you hadn't heard before. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You're getting your microphone. Hallelujah. Let's stand for a moment. Praise the Lord. You do good. Amen. Isn't the anointing a wonderful, awesome reality? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just as we close, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 says, To the intent, well, verse 9, to make all men see what is the fellowship, what is your part and your participation in this mystery. What is that mystery? The Bible says that the mystery is Christ in you. The kingdom of God that dwells in you. What is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world had been hidden God who created all by Jesus Christ to the intent that now, say now for this purpose, for this intent that now unto the principalities and powers 
in the heavenly places might be made known by the church, by you and I, the manifold wisdom of God. I close it too quickly. The manifold wisdom of God. God says that it was and is his plan that his wisdom would be revealed through us to the pulling down of the strongholds, to the principalities and the powers. What for? To make them bow and to enforce what Jesus has already done. According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus. The Amplified says, in accordance with the terms of the eternal timeless purpose which he has realized and has carried into effect in Christ. In Christ, everything has been reconciled. In Christ, the enemy has been defeated. And God has now ordained that you and I would, would according to what is already finished, manifest and declare that wisdom and make principalities and powers bow. In Christ, we have boldness and we have access with confidence by the faith of Christ. Now, this access is not just to God. This access is also to principalities and powers and that demonic realm. This access is also to people. Amen? And one of the things is, is the reality of worship. And that here on the inside, we have Christ. Here on the inside, we have everything finished. And as we worship, that light, that power, that anointing, that grace, that glory is drawn out. It is drawn out. And so that even in the first heaven and the second heaven and the third heaven where it's already the very atmosphere of worship, in our spirit, we are able to draw that out. And we are able to saturate this atmosphere immediately around us, this first heaven, and we can even go into the realm of the second heavens where those demonic spirits are. And we can displace them. Displace them off of the lives of people. Sometimes you have people that behave weird. Sometimes you have people where there's a problem. And, and, and I mean, you do everything and you want to know, how do you correct this situation? Well, God has ordained praise to silence the enemy. It is those principalities and powers and those wicked forces that are operating in their lives. But your praise, your worship can silence the enemy and bring those people into liberty. Amen? So let us, let us just from what we've heard this morning, make a new dedication from our hearts to operate in this arena and to be those vessels, those vehicles that would manifest his glory and declare his praise. For he is ordained that out of the mouth of babes he is ordained this strength. This praise, this magnificence, this glory to flow. So let's lift up our hands right now. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have made us your temples. We thank you that you have made us as sharp, threshing instruments having teeth. We thank you that what Jesus has finished, it is your will that we would enforce it. We would enforce it with the high praises coming out of our mouths and the two-edged sword in our hands. So Father, we just ask that even in this very moment, the word that has gone forth cannot return void. But our word that has gone forth, Father, let it ignite within us a hunger, a passion 
a desire and a zeal for your presence and a determination to be worshipers of God, to bring liberty into the atmosphere, into our own lives, and into the lives of others. Just by the very fruit of our lips giving thanks unto your name. For you have so ordained that this is a means by which to silence the heavens, to silence the enemy. So Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have done this. We thank you that we've got such a wonderful, glorious part in causing your kingdom to be made manifest on earth as it already is in heaven. Just by means of this tremendous weapon of war, worship, worship, worship. In the name of Jesus. So let's practice Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're my God. You're all together lovely. All together lovely. All together worthy. All together worthy. All together wonderful. All together wonderful to here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my Shall be revealed upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 